Hi, this is Nicole Lee Master, podcast Coleology. It's a consciousness podcast. And today I'm really excited because I have Heather Zamora on the line with me from Phoenix, Arizona. Hi. Hello. And it's kind of interesting um, our history and then also what she's doing in the world. And this is something very new to me. I only have really learned about it through following her on um, Instagram and Facebook. And I think it's super inspiring what she's doing. And I wanted to get the word out. So Heather Zamora does, owns, you own, right? Twisted Infusions Farm. So she she owns Twisted Infusions Farm, and it's a hydroponic container farming, urban farming with sustainability and technology. I'm stumbling over my words again. Um, And so she's going to talk about what this means and how she does it and kind of what brought her to this type of farming and what she's doing in the world. I'm totally psyched about hearing about it. And Heather and I have it's really kind of cool. We come from Phoenix, what, which isn't this little town, but when we were there, it was kind of like a little town. It's like this country western <laughs> little town, and at the edge of where we lived, people used to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> there were orange trees at the edge of where we used to live. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it, it's small, and it's really exciting that like the people that I went to school with, literally I've known her since, um, she's one year older than me, since elementary school, and we were both on the basketball team together, and I was in fifth grade learning basketball with Mr. McDonald, and she was in sixth grade, so she was first string, and I just was like learning so much by watching and observing, and um, in somatic experiencing, we call that mirror neurons, like being able to see something and then redo it, basically, because we're using our mirror neurons. And um, for whatever reason, Heather was a huge inspiration and, and somebody I like looked up to. And then we went on to junior high and your memory was, do you want to share that? Because it's so cute. Yes. I was telling my children today that we had this um, summer school class where we did a summer school taekwondo program in the in the cafeteria of Choya <laughs> Middle School. <laughs> so I think there were four people in our class. And so Definitely our history goes back way further, and I'm so happy that something like social media keeps us connected as well. Yeah, I am too. I am too. It's like one of those, It's. It, I'm grateful, actually. I love social media. I know some people struggle with it, but I, I just love it. Oh, I do too, and um, you know, it's one of the things that's helped my business bring awareness to it. I mean, like you said, you're following us on Instagram to see what we're doing, and and that's what I want to show people through social media is what we're doing. So, so do you want to talk about? I want to hear all about it. I mean, I want to hear what this actually means, what you're doing, like how how like everything, just everything, because I'm I'm very interested. So the urban farming bug started for me um, about twelve years ago. And um, my kids were playing outside, and um, well, my son was, and I was bored. And so I started to dig up some earth in my backyard and just started planting things. And it actually grew, and I was really surprised. And and then I wanted to grow more, and it became this stress reliever, yet something for me and my kids to do. And then I got to eat the fruit that we planted. So it was really great. And so over the past 12 years, I've pretty much taken over my entire backyard and my entire front yard with gardening stuff, and um, last year, my husband and I were looking for something to do to own our own business, and 
in search of that, I didn't want to own a restaurant and I didn't want to own a franchise because I didn't want to be bound to certain rules and regulations. And we ran across this thing called a freight farm. And freight farm is a 40-foot container with vertical hydroponic towers so that you can grow leafy greens. So leafy greens are basically your lettuce, kale, those types of things. So no tomatoes and no peppers in the farm, but um, it is set up for leafy greens. And we saw this, and it was right up our alley. It was something that we could put in our backyard. It was something that we could do together. He has a disability, and he's not able to do a lot of physical activity. And so this farm afforded us the opportunity to not only farm, but give him uh, the ability to actually work in the farm with me. So it's not lifting dirt. It's not lifting, you know, we're bending down. Everything's at um, waist level. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, he can help me on the farm. And so we bought this farm in May. Okay, wait. So let me just get clear. So it's literally in your backyard and it's like a pod? It's a 40-foot refurbished meat container. So they all are refurbished meat containers, which is nice because it's a recycling. Yes, I love it. Eco-friendly. And then so um, a meat container or refurbished meat container will have three inches of insulation all the way around. So it was already outfitted with that type of insulation. The farm, um, so it's its own enclosed environment. It's in a 40-foot container like you would see, like at the oceans, you know, the ocean containers. Yeah. So it's just outfitted with um, 264 towers in it. Okay, so maybe you can explain and break this down. Excuse me, I'm still congested. I'm getting over being sick. (laughs) so the towers, is this these plug things that I see you making, or what? what is right. this? The, these white towers are essentially this vertical plastic that has a grow medium in it that um, allows for more space. So when you grow vertically, you have the ability to grow more and less space. So in my 40-foot container, I can grow up to about two acres worth of land Whoa. on about 15 gallons of water a day. Whoa, are you kidding? So <laughs> that's where the sustainable and the technology part really comes in is we're able to grow that amount of, let's say, land space, um, that little of water, and with technology on mites and nutrients, it just, it's a perfect environment. So it's under what type of lights and how does it get its nutrients? That's a great question. Um, The type of lights that are used in the farm are LED. And the reason we use um, LED is it reduces the amount of heat that's generated from the lights. Okay. So that's a good thing. You want to keep your heat low. For leafy greens, um, ideal temperature for our lettuce is between 60 and 65 degrees. So the farm remains about 63 as an average year-round. And and that's pretty easy even though it's in Arizona summer because of the insulation or... (laughs) Well, that's where the technology comes in, right? So the air conditioning and the setup to cool the farm um, is efficient. And um, it's we're working on solar right now to get to that point. But it oh, good for you. Yeah, good for it you. It doesn't use as much electricity as we anticipated. So um, we were a little bit worried because these farms do come from Boston and they don't have the heat that we have. 
but they have cold problems. So it was definitely a different environment for a freight farm. They didn't, we were the first people in Arizona to have one. You're the very first person. <laughs> in Arizona, yeah. Oh my goodness, this is so cool, and it's working. It is working, and so um, just to backtrack real quick, the nutrients are also dispensed within the farm via technology. So there's sensors in the farm. They sense whether the nutrients are low, and then they will dispense them automatically. So it's not something I'm manually doing. Okay, and it's getting dispensed through the towers and then through... Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, there's a, a, a nutrient machine, if you will, a nutrient dispenser. And so it senses that the water in the tank that feeds the towers. Okay. So the nutrients are, is literally, we're talking about like water, enough water, at the right temperature and enough light. Right. And the water, so when you plant into the earth, the soil has all the nutrients that your plants need to grow. But you can't just plant right in directly into water. That's not necessarily have any nutrients for the plants to grow. So we do add a nutrient. Oh, okay. Okay. And what, what would that nutrient be, just out of curiosity? And is it coming through the plugs? Um, it's coming through the water. So it's just a liquid that gets dispensed into the water tank. Okay. And then the water tank waters the towers. And is it like minerals and vitamins or like what, I mean... Yeah, there's all different kinds of nutrients and that's one of the other really um, interesting aspect to this business is there's so many different brands, there's so many different kinds, but we're growing lettuce and kale and so there's a specific nutrient that'll go along that's best fit for that type of crop. Okay, and is that why like these, what is the pod called again? It's called a freight farm. A freight farm. Oh, it's yeah. literally called a freight farm. Um, <laughs> I got. I, I just had the like. I was. I'm just blown right now. Like my mind's blown. I just think this is so cool. Like I and, like so oh. cool. Um. So in the freight farm, is that is that why like there's specific like your freight farm is specific to leafy greens because of the nutrients that need to be dispensed? Is that like kind of the theory behind it? And also the setup. So the way that the farm is set up with the vertical towers, it's not necessarily conducive to growing peppers or tomatoes based off the way that they grow. Uh, okay, so like so they grow, everything grows out and up. Yes. So if tomatoes or peppers, they get really long and lengthy, and they can grow up to be you know six feet if you let them. Well, with the perfect environment, you definitely are going to get that. Well, I don't have the space in my farm. I don't think the lights are strong enough to to handle the tomatoes as well. So the, the machine is really designed, the farm is really designed for leafy greens. Okay. Okay. And then, so what are you doing? So like now you're producing two acres of leafy greens and what have you, what are you doing after the, and how often, <laughs> and how often are they like, are you getting a batch or a harvest? Right. So I harvest weekly and I harvest anywhere from I would say 800 to 1,000 heads of lettuce a week. Oh, so cool. So my other goal with this is is to help people understand that there's so many different varieties of, of lettuce or of food that you can consume that isn't, isn't just iceberg. I think that most people are hooked on iceberg and romaine, and they don't know any better because our grocery stores don't sell any different. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's still like not a lot of education around the different types of vitamins you get from the different types of lettuces, and and yeah, I mean it's it's really kind of it. Uh, yes, yes, I agree with what you're saying. So there's over a hundred varieties of lettuce available in general in life, and so 
I've grown, I've got like 20 different varieties of seeds right now. And I have about 10 grow, ten different varieties growing right now because it's so interesting. Some of them are purple, some of them are red, some of them are green. The darker the leaf, the better it is for you. Some people like the butter because of the taste. They like to make wraps. But there is not just one kind of butter lettuce. <laughs> right. And so educating people of the variety has been um, also a goal of mine. My um, husband, uh, about five years ago, weighed 330 pounds and decided he had had enough and wanted to change his lifestyle. And so um, he changed his diet. He went and got a allergy test and found out what he was allergic to and didn't eat those things and cut out dairy and um, bread. And he was able to lose 150 pounds. Wow. Wow. Just on diet alone. So in our house, food is medicine. And it does matter what you eat. Yes. And it does affect your life and performance and overall body health. Yeah, and, and mental so, and mental health too. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, uh, well, you know what would be really interesting? I would like to maybe have a podcast with your husband about how changing his diet affected his not only physical but mental health because I think that that is a key thing that is, and then how that ties into what he's doing with the farm because I don't think that that's talked about enough, and and I th- I still think that it's like in the Eastern medicine world, it's a huge component to health and in our western society it's still like uh, I don't know why but it's still kind of swept under the uh, under the rug so 100% yeah and most people want to medicate mental health with pills yes and and we're very anti-pills here (laughs) you know we believe and I believe that through this growing process of growing all these things what can I grow to benefit my family or what can I grow that we can eat that's going to be better for us and um in this path, I really fell in love with all these herbs and edible flowers and things that are actually good for you that you never knew. And it's like basil is an anti-inflammatory. So my daughter's starting to get zits. She's starting to become a teenager. And so I make basil water. I take some basil, I boil it in water, and she uses it as a toner on her face. And the zits are gone within a day. Wow. So you're, um, I, if I can't, if I remember correctly, um, through just being connected through Facebook, um, didn't you do some type of schooling with like something like that? Like, yes, I was, I was starting to go back to school to become a naturopathic. Yes. Yes. And, um, I just don't know if that path is the right one for me. So I've I've not been going to school lately. So, (laughs) Um, but this farming and this gardening is, is been so amazing for me. It's been so life changing. I'm actually getting to do what I love. It's a passion of mine that the farming has always been a passion. Well, and it- be able to share this with other people in a manner in which I wasn't able to do before. Well, and there's some, I think that there's some overlap to like, Oh, wanting to be a naturopath and also like being in the garden and using your, um, food to help heal. Right. Right. I mean, there is some overlap, like maybe that wasn't the direct path, but somehow it got you to here. Right. Right. And I'm really trying to be open with that path. I think sometimes in life we think we know what we need or For we sure. know what we want. <laughs> For sure. And it doesn't always work out that way. But um, the acceptance of the path that I'm supposed to take is starting to come. And mm. I think 
this is the right path. I think I'm on the right track. I, I couldn't be happier with the life I'm living. So that's, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And it, and it, like, it radiates too. It's it like radiates. Like I've, I've like something about like me being drawn to like what you're doing in the world. Like, like since you've gotten into that, like seriously, I'm like, Oh, what is she doing? Oh my gosh. Her food looks beautiful. Oh my gosh. They look so happy. Like, and, and you can just tell in people's eyes what, if it's that, if there's happiness or if it's just the smile on their face, you know, (laughs) there's something different about that. And you have like over, I don't know the last year I have been, somewhat magnetized to like what you're doing in the world. So it's radiating is what I think. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm really, I love to hear that I can inspire specifically other women. I think it's so hard to, um, find that passion and then actually make a living out of it. Or I'm actually doing this with my husband and that's not an easy thing. So it it is challenging within itself, but it's the right thing for us to do. And I, and he's just as passionate about it as I am. And so it makes this really good team. Yeah, it's great. It's really hard to find. Yeah. It really is. And so, um, but it's a work in progress, right? Like, we're always working. So um, finding that balance and stuff has been interesting. And it's always (laughs) going to be an unfolding work in progress, right? We never, there's never really this end destination. There really isn't. And, And having this farm and being the first people in Arizona to have it has attracted some really interesting visitors. We've been giving tours practically daily almost it feels like to these variety of people and it's just so cool that I get to share it with them and they have so much experience with it that that it's this network that we're building that's just amazing of people that want to change this city to be more aware so so what does that mean so um back to because I'm still really curious. So what do you do? You're harvesting every day. And then what are you doing after the harvest comes? Like, like where is your food going? What are you doing with it? Like what, what's the next steps? Great question. So I do have, um, a couple of restaurants that we, um, sell to, um, posh restaurant in Scottsdale is one of them. And they're great. They're an improvisational cuisine restaurant and so they change their menu all the time and one of the cool things about them is that I can bring them random herbs or edible flowers or some extra stuff I have in my garden and they'll use it oh that's beautiful that is <laughs> it's really cool Whoa, this is awesome and then the joy bus diner which is a great great um place it's a for-profit restaurant that funds her non-profit the Joy Bus, and they so what deliver. does that exactly mean? So they're for profit, but they fund for nonprofit. What does this mean exactly? So the nonprofit is a um, organization that delivers fresh meals to bedridden cancer patients. Oh, so they have they have both sides of the business, right? Okay. So she she was looking for some opportunity to fund her nonprofit, and so she started the for profit restaurant. Okay, this is great. Okay, and what was and we name? love supporting them. <clears throat> Yeah, so so uh, the what was the name of that company? The Joy Bus Diners. The Joy Bus Diners, and then yeah. uh, so so you've literally you you're an entrepreneur, so you're growing this 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 food, and now you're networking in your community, and you're providing um, food for restaurants in the community, and some of them are for profit, and some are for nonprofit. So you're like literally giving back. Um, I really that's the goal here. 
<laughs> so we're also working with Grand Avenue Produce, which is a, a produce distributor. And so um, there's lots of options and opportunities in we're selling hydroponic lettuce, so it is a little bit different, and there is some education that comes with it. So, really, we're looking for chef-owned restaurants and that type of thing of people who want to buy local and that, that care. <laughs> is it still organic? Um, hydroponic is considered, well, it's interesting. I'm not certified organic. Okay. But I don't use pesticides. I don't screen anything on my plants. You can go into my farm and pick it and eat it. Right. I mean, but you're just not certified. Correct. And I struggle with paying for the certification because I don't know how much people value that anymore based off the premise of the approved pesticides that you can use on an organic list. I struggle with spraying my plants with things. You know, maybe. Okay. So here, I'm a total organic lover. Um, I I have, uh, I feel like. For me, it's part of my health and wellness path just because I am so sensitive to things. Like I, if right. I eat something, if I eat something with a like that's non-organic, my skin will literally break out in splotches like the next day. And so um, the pesticides, and I think I think um, it's it's just really interesting. I, I kind of I kind of like wonder about that because um, I was born in Love Canal, which is a dioxin hotspot in New York. And um, so I was exposed to dioxin for the first two years of my life. And like, so was my parents and then I'm nursing and there's actually like, it goes in through like my mom's out in the yard in the garden. And it's like, it's there's just an impact on your body. Yes. And so I am super like, whether I like it or not, I'm super sensitive. And, um, and I, I feel like for the average human living in Northern California, I kind of understand the organic process a little more than I would say the average population um, in America. And you just said something that I actually don't understand. And so maybe you can break that down and inform people what this means. So you were struggling with actually getting certified because – like the FDA still approves certain pesticides on their list? Right. So there's a level of pesticide that is considered organic or organically approved, if you will. So I don't know that list, to be honest with you, but um, I also don't have a bunch of acres of farmland. So I can understand where some level of bug control can come in. Right? Like we need something and we want it to be as safe as possible. Right. I just don't want to spray my plants with things like that. Right. And I struggle with that. But according to the FDA or whatever program that organic goes through, it, it is okay. And I'm sure they're fine. I just, I don't know. Personally, I don't know what they are and I don't like to spray my plant. So the problem with that becomes... As a large farmer, then you're going to have bug bites and all your stuff, or you're going to have a bug problem if you don't get it under control. So there is some level that it needs. It has its useful purpose, right? Right. I just, it, I don't have the farmland or I don't want to spray things on my plants. Yeah. And if I have a bug problem, then I try to try to fight that with um, its predator, like ladybugs or or um, or something. Oh, so neat. Okay. Well, so there's, like, there's, to me, there's other methods, but in my 
my enclosed farm, I've never had a bug problem. I don't have those issues, so I haven't experienced anything like that yet in inside the farm. Well, of course. You're talking about your farm, your backyard, and your front yard, basically, Correct. right? yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't spray anything chemically on that. Yeah. And I appreciate that little piece of knowledge because I go to the farmer's market and that was part of my learning process. I only have, um, a lot of the farmer's market, um, providers that I purchase from are kind of like you. They're not, they're organic, but they're not certified. And I like that you just mentioned that you'll get bug bites on, on your, charred or whatnot because like that was started that was part of my process like I used to or I was conditioned to or I was made to think in ways that like this this piece of lettuce should look perfect if I'm going to buy it and now I'm like oh no I mean they're beautiful some some of the the produce I buy is gorgeous but there will be times during certain seasons where like there'll be little nibbles on the edges and I'm like no that is actually part of like what the organic process is like there's going to be bugs because it's not being sprayed so sometimes that's going to happen and and it's still a good piece of chard or whatnot that yeah. that it's that for sure yeah so thank that is the struggle with the local right so we can't and specifically here in phoenix we don't grow great apples here we can grow apples here but they don't grow large and amazing like they do in washington so there are some levels of produce or organic produce that I'm looking for to purchase from other states simply because they're the best. Right. Simply because they do it right. But I want to support local as much as possible and I want other people to support local as much as possible. So I don't want to convey that not to, but there's just a level of produce that can be grown in certain areas of this country that can't be grown in others. That's right. I mean, just because of the homeostasis of the environment and what you get in certain parts of the country, right? I mean, I mean, I would love for everybody to get their own greenhouse and grow their own food, <laughs> and we can, you know, have apples like that in Arizona everywhere. But we just don't have the environment to to do that and to recreate that environment is a lot of work. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I, actually, I think that's why I'm so drawn to what you're doing. Like. I've only done small little potted um, plants with my son, and that was when I was living in a, a different little location. And my cherries grew beautifully, and it takes a certain amount of like love and energy to actually create a, a farm. And I think that there's something about that is so beautiful, um, getting your hands in the dirt and then watching it grow and then eating from it. There's like this different relationship that kind of happens with your food uh, that I I think that's fundamentally healthy. So even just if you can't have a farm, because I would love to do something like what you're doing. And unfortunately, like my life doesn't allow me to do that. Right. And most people don't. Either they don't have the space or they don't have the time. Right. And so that's been the other goal of mine is to educate people on different ways that you can do that. So, so are you um, going to do a blog or what are you going to do to start? I don't know. That's what I'm working on in this evolution of this business is um, right now it's just been all in person and, and the people that have um, wanted to take tours and, or come see what we got going on. Um, really, those are the people that um, I've been working with, but I want to get it out there more. And I, I'm working on a plan, whether that be a blog or something, videos or something. I don't know. But 
there's so many different ways for people to grow. And like you said, you were doing little potted plants. Well, that's great. Just three or four of those, you can have some fresh food. And like you said, do that with your son or do that with your friend or whatever. And eat. And be aware of the process and watch it grow. <laughs> right. And there's there's something that sh- shifts with your relationship uh, with food when you actually are aware of, like, how long it takes and what type of care it takes to actually have it work. <laughs> like, and, it, and if nothing else, it's a good stress reliever. <laughs> that That's true. I mean, that so is... We, it, yeah. And it, in my you know, we believe definitely that energies, the plants are living being things and they absorb your energies and... So in my farm, there is no bad energy. You're not allowed to go in there grumpy. And um, oh. we've had people like kind of in a grumpy mood and they're not allowed in. That is really cool. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love so we it. We have happy plants. We play music <laughs> for them. We talk to them. And um, no bad energy in the farm. That's for sure. Because everything is living. And yes. you got to be nice to it. Yes. Have, did you see um, what the bleep, what what the bleep I think it was called or, uh, what the bleep do we know or something like that. It was, um, uh, a show, a DVD basically pressing the boundaries of what's going on, um, in the world, like in a metaphysical way. And they did a study with water, like simple water, and they filmed the water being told horrible things. And then they filmed the water just being left alone. So like, what does that look like? And then they filmed the water with a regular human, like you or I, um, being nice to the water, like just saying nice things. And then they filmed the water with like a special, like a, like a guru who meditated over the water and they showed the different formations the molecules actually took in the water. And it was crazy how different the water shifted. And then somebody after that did this study with a plant, the same, the, the same study, the one that was talked to like in the same environment. So like the same lighting, the same, the same house, but one was talked to bad, like awful. And then the same, same exact thing. The one that was talked to bad died. The one that was kind of left alone grew. And the one that was talked to nicely thrived, like was producing things. And so I love that you just mentioned that because I think, I think it does matter what type of energy you bring to anything living. You bet. And, um, so great, great topic of conversation that I've really been getting into the science of is um, water. Now that I'm growing with water all the time, and that's my main source of, you know, nutrient or growth, or it's really important in my farm, understanding the water technologies. And water has the best memory of, of next to quartz crystal, has the best memory of any of the elements. So, Whoa, what, element, so what does that mean exactly? So... Like you just said, if you're mean to water, the water has a bad memory through its whole life until you change it. Oh. So water contains those memories. So it, so it like actually has like the, the new studies are showing that it actually has memory mass. Right. Oh. So let's say, I know this sounds odd, but if you put a frequency into water, it's going to remember it. Hmm. But 
ended up being negative or a positive, right? No, I don't think this sounds odd. I mean, after I... (laughs) So until you mix up that water and erase its memory, now it's possible to erase water memory. I'm not saying it sticks forever. But if you never mix that water up and it stays, it's going to have that bad memory or that bad frequency, that bad energy with it forever well and doesn't forget and i believe in that structure i believe i believe like something like you know how something just sounds true (laughs) (laughs) like this this just kind of rings true to me and and i was tripping out when i started like getting into this type of thought process because it it creates ultimate responsibility on me right to like to be conscious of my thoughts and and there's only like there's still the unconscious and the under toll of whatever that means, your shadow side, but like to step in the world daily as conscious as possible, because it does have an effect on everything. It has a rippling effect on everything. And I was tripping out when I learned that piece of knowledge because our bodies are what? 80% water. I was just going to say the same thing. If our bodies are 80% water, then we better be good to them. (laughs) Yes. And we better be good to what the water we're putting in. Right, <laughs> you know, right. which comes from our food, right? Right. Lettuce is ninety percent, ninety-six percent water. Really, so, I didn't know it was that high. It's huge. So I want to make sure that the water I'm putting into my vegetables is good water and has good energy. Because when you eat it, you're going to feel good, not only nutritious wise, but the plant is happy. The plant is healthy and it's going to last a lot longer. Right. Mm, so this- really, I know it sounds odd for maybe some people who are looking at me or thinking about. How could you feel this much about lettuce? Well, it's just a side piece. <laughs> I think it's powerful. Well, and I can't tell you, I've been eating a lot of lettuce, <laughs> a lot of salad, and I feel great. My kids feel great. They've been eating a lot of salad. Well, salad's like my main thing. Like Isaac, my son, he's always like, what are we having for dinner tonight? I know, I know, besides salad. <laughs> <laughs> and so having people like you... Um, find, find us. I, I have several friends that are, um, either food preppers or eating healthy right now because they're on a workout regimen. Or just eating, my, my grandmother calls it a live it, not a diet, a live it, just choosing healthy things every day because that's the way we should be treating our body. A hundred percent. It's a lifestyle change. It's not a, a diet. Right. And so, um, these people, these friends of mine that are living this lifestyle, if you will, coming over and getting our lettuce they're hooked it's so different for them they feel better they they notice a difference when they eat their salad i wish you lived closer now I was gonna, <laughs> <laughs> i'll ship it to you <laughs> one of the cool things about um harvesting our lettuce is we do harvest it with the roof all on oh. so that roof all does stay on there so my lettuce is good for up to about three weeks Oh, well, maybe, yeah, we'll have to talk. Are you shipping? Um, are you doing that? Is that part of your... No, but I would do it for you. <laughs> interesting. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, we'll definitely... It would be interesting, but um, yeah, that's the one cool thing about hydroponic lettuce that I think has been different about my earth garden is the way that it lasts. Mm-hmm. So if it's 90%, 6% water, and I'm putting good water into it, and I keep that root ball on it, it stays good for three weeks. So cool. I know like the one part that I was so excited about talking to you about is a learning about this. And then B, I was just thinking like there's such a massive hunger issue across the world and even just in America. And if more people were doing this, like I think you're on the edge of like breaking through some frithy frothy things that might like shift 
the global stability of food. I mean, if you can farm two acres and 40 feet, what that means to like global hunger in the long run with multiple, with pods, what are they called again? <laughs> containers. That's a great, great point because, um, the Navajo nation up in, um, Fort Defiance, they were interested in a freight farm and they had about, um, 12 people from 10 different departments come and visit the farm last year. And, you know, you're talking about a nation that has struggled with tradition and and struggled with technology, if you will. But at the same time, they can't farm in their earth. It's radiated or the water is very poor and and it's so bad that they can't farm there. Mm. So something like this gives them the opportunity to actually farm. In, in their area, in their homes. Mm, that's so, I mean, Without, that's kind of giving me chills. It's it's beautiful, right? So they bought a freight farm, and they're going to be putting it in in March. Mm. And so we're going to go up there and help them put it together and, uh, you know, get started and everything. But <sighs> it's really good to see that other communities, specifically this one, who struggled with technology from a, a tradition perspective, being open enough to try this. Yeah, so we're, we're really proud of them. I'm really excited to go see how it works for them. You're doing beautiful work in the world, like seriously, Aww, thank like you. so healing, so healing on multiple levels. I love it. I, I'm really enjoying myself. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for taking the time today to talk to me. And I would love to have a follow up conversation at some point um, on another podcast about what you are doing in the near future, like when you get a blog up or whatever you decide to do. We'll like kind of have you back on. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, where is she now, kind of thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> where is she now? <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yes. And and to just continue to get the word out for people who maybe didn't hear the first podcast, but then there's the second one or there's more depth or more learning that you have to share or whatever that looks like. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. You bet. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye. For more information, please see the link below and follow me on SoundCloud, Coleology, or like me on Facebook. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.